DVD Clutter is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people. We pay our respects to the Elders, past, present and emerging, of the Kulin Nation and to other Indigenous Australians that may be listening. Hi, I'm Paul. And I'm Beck. And this is DVD Clutter. Yes, it is. We're on our final Tom Hanks film. It's the last one. Today it's we'll the last one. We'll finally pass judgment on the box set. I don't know which way it's going to go. <laughs> that was my sarcastic voice. Well, look, it could be a surprise turnaround. You never know. Yeah, it could be. Yes. This time we're looking at the oldest of the Tom Hanks films that's included in your box set. Yeah. The film was made in 1984. And it is Bachelor Party. It sure is. Which I keep on saying The Bachelor Party, but it's called Bachelor Party. Yeah, I keep on saying the same. Yep. I know there'll be fanatics out there who'll write in to correct us if we say The Bachelor Party. So we just yep. want to make sure we get it right. A rollicking, in the words of Wikipedia, sex comedy, mm. which I did, I did not know about that genre. But um, You'd there you go. Though. Well, I suppose I did, but I yeah. didn't know that there was, like... I didn't know that anyone would call it, like, oh, what genre should we call this? What are you... What kind of movie are you in the mood for today, honey? Oh, how about a sex comedy? Yeah. Yeah. I, that, those words have never never <laughs> passed my lips. Yeah. No, I, I get you. And maybe later we'll talk a little bit about the history of sex comedies and, I guess, their place in film and their place in comedy in general, because I feel like the adjudication of this film won't take up a lot of time. <laughs> that would be great because I don't know anything about the history of the sex comedy. Um, is there like a modern sex comedy that you can think of? Yeah, it's it's a genre. It's it's an established, I think, genre like any other genre. You know, it still gets reinvented every every year. I think the most recent one that I saw would, would be Blockers. Oh, yeah. You know, okay. this one sort of... Bachelor Party takes a step out, as was the style in the 80s. It sort of takes a step away from sort of that teenage setting, but the humour itself does not take a step away from the teenage <laughs> setting. <laughs> so is is a sex comedy more teenage? So we're thinking like American Pie. Yeah. Uh, American Pie, but also... Road uh, Trip. Yeah. Um, but also like The Hangover would be... Oh, yeah. Hangover. Yeah. So not just teen, like adult yeah. versions of that. Yeah. Because Blockers is more teen. I guess the adults are involved. Yeah. But it's also about teenagers. Yeah. And I think within the genre of um, America, because also like we'll talk about it a bit later, but there's sort of, there's the American sex comedy is very different to the, like the British sex comedy. Mm. And sort of within mm-hmm. the, within the American sex comedy, there's the, there's like the definite teen sex comedy, which mm. sort of has yep. the same plot of someone losing their virginity. You know, that's yeah, like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yep, 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 yep. Um, oh, dirty teens just obsessed with sex. Yep, always. Um, buy a good puberty book. Yeah, yeah. What was that <laughs> one that everyone got to read with the illustrations? Is it? This is where I come from. No, yeah. Was it just called the puberty book? It must have. I don't know. It's been a long know. time. There was a few. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Um. Anyway. Let's move on from that and talk about this film. Yes, Tom Hanks. We circle back around to the genre. Um, Tom Hanks in the height of his comedy persona. If you want to see some more recent Tom Hanks comedy, what I came across recently was: Have you seen the David S. Pumpkins clip? 
Oh my god, it's so good. I know, right? The SNL, yeah. the Saturday Night Live ones. Yes. Oh my god, it's so good. Yes. Watch that instead of <laughs> highly, these people. Highly recommend. Highly recommend Googling. Is it David S. Pumpkin? That's what it's called. Yeah. It's on. It's an SNL clip. It'll be on YouTube. It's a Halloween sketch from a couple of years ago. But it is very funny. Yeah, just It brilliant. is funnier. It is just funnier than this movie in general. Yeah. So... Do you have anything to add about the first time you saw this before I... Am I doing the plot breakdown? You sure are. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, no, I, I kind of want to... I want to tell the story of me first watching this movie after we've sort of talked about it a little bit, because I think it will give away a bit. Okay. Um, but I will mention the... I didn't sort of watch this one. I saved this one to watch with other people. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Because you thought it'd be like a rollicking good time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I really um, lent into that marketing and thought. But yeah. also, maybe it's one of those movies that, like, it's so bad that it probably would be better with shared with someone else. Like, if you were watching it by yourself, you'd probably just turn it off. Y- yeah, you're right. Because, look, there was a big chunk of my life, too, where me and a couple of mates were trying to actively find, like, the worst film to... Or, like, the perfect <laughs> yeah. bad film to watch along. And we'll get into those DVDs at some stage. Oh, um, great. But Why this... did you have to buy them? <laughs> Well, much like this one, awful films are actually hard to get a hold of unless you buy them. Yeah. So this film, we had to, I think we've mentioned, had to arrive to my house via snail mail. It probably went to Sydney first, which I think is what's been happening with the local mail since the distribution centres have been so empty. Yeah. So it's been on quite the journey. (laughs) Yes. Um, But no, we both watched the DVD. We did. Because we couldn't find it anywhere else. No. Rightfully so. Although, mate, you might be able to watch it on YouTube illegally. Uh, no, I think I even tried that, and I don't think anyone could oh, be did. bothered um, uploading <laughs> it in full. Yeah, that's fair. You don't need to watch it in full, though. You might not even need to watch it. Beck, tell us oh, all about Bachelor I'll tell Party. I'll you the plot. All right, Bachelor Party. Right, so there's this guy, right? He's played by Tom Hanks, and his name is Rick Gaskin. Gasco. Rick Gasco. Important. It's like a man's there. name. A man. <laughs> He's a man. Yeah. He's got lots of, like, in his name because that's manly did you know that anyway so rick gasco is getting married he's like a bit of a player you know the first time we see him he's like he's a bus driver that's his job and he pulls up to a school a catholic school where there's this nun and she's like waiting outside with the kids all lined up and he's like hey you're looking good sister and he's like real arrogant and real like lechy I yeah, suppose. is that a good word? Like <laughs> he's just like, but but I'm just joking. Like I'm just having fun with everyone. Like he's kind of a, in quotation marks, someone who would have been considered inoffensive back in the day by other men, not by women, because you'd always, I'm sure, women would have always been like, oh fuck, fuck off. But he's just like, oh, I'm just joking. Kind of like the Friends boys, in the ways that in yeah. Friends the the male characters are always like, ha ha ha, saw your breasts or whatever. I don't know. I, can't <laughs> I don't think they say that. <laughs> the one where Joey um, sees breasts. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, anyway, he's like this player about town. He's, you know, good looking, popular. He's got his group of man friends who all have like varying jobs. And the first little sequence is essentially them just gathering for lunch. So, Rick's got them all together. He's like, let's have lunch together. Um, they all have like different stereotypes. You don't really get to see the friends that much. One of them in particular is the like, smart one um and he's kind of a bit more put together and a bit smarter um i think his name is jay is he the brother that's a doctor or no there's no. The, the cool guy one yeah 
Yeah, the cool guy one. Yeah. yeah. The best looking friend. Yeah. Um, and then there's a bunch of other friends who are just kind of, you know, not really worth mentioning. But they're different stereotypes of men, I suppose. Like one big mechanic guy who's just a real, like, animalistic tendencies, like smashing beer on his head and just, ah, you know, lots of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then another, like, little weedy guy um, we'll talk about a bit later because his story arc is not great. Oh, actually, that one <laughs> I'd already banished from my mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he gets them all together and he's like, guys, I've got some big news. I'm getting married. And they're like, no, oh my God, this is the worst news ever. Oh, and there's the running kind of theme throughout the movie from anyone who's married. He's like, I want to kill myself. My marriage is terrible. Don't tell my wife about the bachelor party, whatever, whatever. Just the whole running thing is that all marriage is terrible and you shouldn't get married mm. as a married person, Paul. Can't well, weigh in. The joke also was that the married guy, his wife is um got a non-traditional body type so that's why you know his his um married his life sucks because his wife isn't a super babe as in the brother yeah that's true there's she's also a doctor so she's Mm. educated because she's got a brain and she's got a body that's not traditionally desirable yeah so they seem to lean in a lot on that to say like oh yeah his life must suck because his wife doesn't look like a babe which is again one of the most confusing things about this movie it seems to go for four hours but they also need Mm. to cut every corner and the corner cutting to um him being unhappy in his marriage is to set up this woman as overweight really is what they (laughs) they lean into and i think overbearing yeah like wanting to know details which she's actually not shown like that at all she's shown in quite positive light mostly but he's he is just like so pathetically like oh my life sucks with my wife and marriage is terrible but also there's the other guy the friend from out of town who i forget his name but he like arrives at the airport as a surprise and he's literally trying to kill himself because his marriage is so bad but we don't really see much about we don't hear much about his wife no um he's sort of just in there to bring drugs to the party that's right and he's like coked off his head the whole time and he's obviously suffering from some kind of mental illnesses but he's also you know just in deep in drug abuse and um talk but just babbles about how terrible marriage is and how he wants to kill himself because his marriage is so terrible yeah so you know like not positive themes on marriage but apparently that's what men think about marriage after they get married um Anyway, so they're obviously like, this is terrible, don't get married. But then one of them's like, wait, 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 before you get too angry, if he's getting married, you know what that means? We can do the age old. And this is something that they talk about a lot in like the in interviews that I've read about it and stuff. They keep on t- calling this like uh, the great American tradition of the bachelor party. Or yeah. the great male, male tradition of the bachelor party. Like it's this like big, you know, male bonding like kind of thing. Yeah, did did you watch any of the special features? No, but I've watched a couple of interviews on um, YouTube. I'm sure they'd be the same things, but that's like literally yeah. all like anyone said. It just cut to someone else saying, "Oh, you know, it's an American tradition." Yeah, um, so weird. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe it is. We're not in America. I, I had a bachelor party. You did have a bachelor party. Yeah. I went. Which you were I there. I think is very traditional. <laughs> And I'm not a stripper. I didn't go. No. I was I was not being paid to be there. Yeah. I was um, an invited guest. You were the one that was responsible for getting the sex workers. 
And then you never That's delivered right, on your and promise. I failed. Yeah. <laughs> that was a joke to everyone listening related to the film. Yes. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Back to the plot. So they're like, great, we're going to throw the best bachelor party in the whole world. It's going to be fucking awesome. And they're like planning and they just keep on saying like hookers and booze and drugs. And and fire trucks at some point. The yelly know, guy yells out planning. fire trucks. And I'm like, what? why do you want a fire truck? It's probably, he's just <laughs> not making sense, that guy. No. So they're planning this bachelor party. Meanwhile, we get introduced to the fiance whose name is Debbie Thompson, played by Tawny Kitan. Yeah, I think so. Who I don't really know from anything else, and I don't think she went on to do anything that I've heard of. No. Yeah, so they're like... So we kind of get um, introduced to their relationship. I'm not... It's not 100% clear. I don't think they're living together yet, but she obviously stays over at his apartment. He's a complete slob. Looks disgusting dinners, but she finds all that endearing, obviously. Apparently, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the expectations of men were just so low at that stage. I think they still are for a lot of people too. Yeah, when you're introduced to every other male character in this movie, that you know, it does well to make he seems like Tom a good character <laughs> look like the best. He does seem like a good pick, doesn't he? Um, anyway, so she's like finds out about the bachelor party and she's a bit nervous about it, but she's like, okay, that's fine. Just like don't do anything too bad. And then they, and he's like, yeah, no, obviously I love you, blah, blah, blah. And then they go and have lunch with, we get introduced to her family. And that's like a really, they're a really wealthy family. She's, they're quite posh. He obviously does not fit in. The dad really hates him. He says, you act like an asshole, actually. Let me get that straight. You are an asshole or something like that. Mm. Which I was like, to be honest with you, for the majority of that first part, I was totally on the dad's side. Yeah. And that's, yeah, exactly how I (laughs) felt and yeah then i feel like as much as i'm not sure how much thought went into writing the script but you kind of feel like they also thought that after a little while too and then really had to make the dad seem super awful yeah well i don't think they did put much thought into the script which we'll talk no. about later but um yeah so the dad at the start is like you're like oh that's good like someone's looking out for her and he is this guy is obviously a bit of an idiot and a no-hoper she genuinely they genuinely seem to like each other and love each other and make each other laugh and whatever, but he's obviously not good enough for her. But then the dad takes a real bad turn when he Mm. just randomly invites over the guy, the ex-boyfriend, Debbie's ex-boyfriend, who's, like, obviously super wealthy and, like, the dad wants them to get together. But instead of just saying to Debbie, like, I'll respect your decision, but I think you're making a mistake, he suggests to this other guy that he needs to somehow win Debbie back, but not through going not through trying to win Debbie back through like bribing Rick Rick yeah so by he literally buying her <laughs> yeah he literally <laughs> offers money he literally offers Rick money to buy Debbie which Rick obviously doesn't take which that's a, a good little switch to be like oh, okay now I guess he's the better of the two guys yeah <laughs> oh yeah the options are just so dire anyway and then so he says no and then I think I think Debbie kind of finds that out about that, but they just like brush it off like whatever, that's normal for your dad to try and bribe. Yeah. You know, whatever, that's normal. No one asks her, like, no one like is like, Debbie, are you sure, you know, which one do you really prefer? You know, have you talked have you thought about the pros and cons? Maybe yep. just don't get married just yet. Maybe be by yourself for a while. 
Anyway, so this guy, what's his name? Cole. His name's Cole, this rich guy. And so he, like, is real angry that he didn't get to just get what he wanted through money. So he decides to make Rick look really bad by following to his bachelor party and just, like, ruining the night and kind of outing his bad antics to Debbie. So he essentially wants to, like, show Debbie how bad he is. Well, that's Um, how it starts off. I can't really remember. That's how it starts off, yeah. Mm -hmm. It it does escalate (laughs) rather quickly. So that's, like, the the, most of the story. That's kind of the plot, right? We've got these Cole trying to take down Rick dynamic. Yeah. The fighting over Debbie. Then you've also got Debbie having her bachelorette party at the same time. Like, they're having, like, a bridal shower, actually. I don't think they even call it a bachelorette party. They call it a bridal shower, and which is, like, all very fancy and whatever. And then we've got the actual bachelor party happening in this hotel room. So these three things are all kind of happening at the same time. And yeah, the rest of the movie is just like shenanigans that happen throughout these little different plot lines. Um, so you see like the craziness happening at the bachelor party. You see the bridal shower girls. So Debbie's friends kind of talking about the, the bachelor party and being worried about what might happen. And one in particular, I think her cousin has been really scarred by men so she's like Mm. this quite jaded woman and again she's like not shown as being particularly likable um but she is also the one that i would definitely identify with the most she makes the most sense she's like (laughs) speaks truth to power for the most part um and she like encourages them to go out and see some male strippers you know she's like a bit more of a wild one she's like if they can't if they're gonna go and have fun why shouldn't we go and have fun so they go out to see some male strippers and stuff which we'll talk, I think we'll talk about these scenes as we go through yeah. in a little bit more detail because we'll want to kind of pick up on a bit of a couple of scenes here and there. Yeah, so, and then the two biggest things that, that happen with Cole is, oh, actually three things happen with Cole. One, he follows, one of the friends has been given the task of going to find sex workers to turn up at the bachelorette party. So he like goes and finds a pimp and orders some girls off the street um, it gives the address or whatever, and Cole follows him and then comes up to the pimp afterwards and is like, oh, it's a, we've actually changed the address. It's a secret surprise. Uh, please don't let my friend know. And gives him a new address, and the new address is the bridal shower. So two of these sex workers turn up at the bridal hilarious. shower. And hilarious. Everyone's really shocked, obviously, as they do their show, which it just involves, like, some lesbian sex acts, I believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we don't, um, viewers, we don't see we- the show. It's just implied. No, it's implied, yeah. yeah. And then the other thing that happens with Cole is um, he comes to... Oh, yeah, he comes to the bachelor party and tries to offer Rick the Porsche. And mm. he's like, hey, I'll, I'll give you the Porsche if you give me Debbie. <laughs> and um, obviously Rick's like, no. But he's, like, talking about the Porsche to Cole and trying to distract him while one of his friends goes and steals the Porsche. And then so Cole looks out and the car's gone and he's like, oh, my God, freaking out. And then he really kind of that. I think that really pushes him over the edge. And he, the next thing we know, he's like in full camo gear with his gun, trying to shoot darts across. He like hires a hotel across the road, and he's like shooting darts through the window, trying to shoot Rick. Yeah. Um, and eventually, he ends up kidnapping Debbie at some point, but they save her. Yeah, with a. I can't really remember. There's a he yeah kidnaps her, and then Rick drives to the cinema and beats him up and oh yeah that scene at the cinema yeah, yeah. so yeah. there's like this whole yeah so rick chases him and, and wins her back the scene at the cinema is quite interesting actually i quite enjoy that yeah little visual play but we'll talk about that in a bit finally the girls decide to crush the boys party so they dress up as um sex workers themselves and to try and like 
trick their friends mm. to letting him in. So they go in and then obviously Rick knows that Debbie's there. But then one of his friends pretends that he doesn't know her and he's like, hey, like, have you slept with the groom yet? And like, and she's like, oh, no, I'm just a... She puts on a southern accent and pretends to be someone else. So they lead her back into the room at the back and she is going to pretend to seduce him as not herself. He obviously knows it's her. So he turns up and he's like, hey, baby, and pretends that not to know that it's her. And then obviously he knows that it's her and they... She, first of all, she doesn't believe him, so... They, like, have a bit of a fight, but then obviously it's all fine. And he's like, I knew it was you all along. And then he takes her out into the room and he's like, hey, everybody, turn the music off. Have I had sex with anybody in this room tonight? And everyone's like, no. <laughs> and and in that magical moment, he proves his love for her. Yeah. And um, it's the best. And, yeah, and then I think we end with them just getting married. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> And that's pretty much it. I think there'll be other things that'll kind of pop up along the way. Yeah. It's co- like, it doesn't seem like a coherent plot, really. It's just like a, a bunch of things that kind of happen. It gets less and less together. coherent as the movie goes on, yes, um, which I we'll find out about. Um, so the first time I watched this, yeah, I remember it was sort of during SWATVAC or after SWATVAC uh, at uni. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, anyone who's got the night off, I'm just going to be putting on this movie on the projector in the common room. Oh, Paul, that's yeah. brave. <laughs> I know, right? Um, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of people oh, around. And, you know, people had other stuff to do. Because I remember putting it on and a few people sort of being around for it and then more and more people sort of leaving. And, <laughs> and yeah, like, I remember feeling just so uncomfortable and grossed out by a lot of what went on back then. And this was, like, Paul during height sort of like dude bro time of my life you know right yeah this was undergraduate college sort of if any time in my life this movie was going to appeal to me it was this time and i remember even back then feeling uncomfortable and quite embarrassed that i'd put it on and i think the only thing that saved me was the fact that not only is this film offensive in every sense of the word but it is also just goddamn boring it um it is it it is it moves at a snail's pace from one racist set piece to one sexist set piece. So much so that, yeah, you get bored. And everyone had left by the time all the really awful stuff happened. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I never watched it again until now. And um, a lot of a lot of the worst bits had left my mind. I remembered the general premise of the film and some of, I guess, the sexism. A lot of the racism, the transphobia, and the bestiality uh, had <laughs> um, slipped my mind. And, and um, every time the podcast, <laughs> yeah, every time one of those punches um, sort of landed while I was watching it this time, I was kind of like, oh, God, how like, how can you dig deeper? Yeah. But they managed to find some room too. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, this was less bad than I expected because I think you had really hyped it up for me. So I was like going into this. I just thought it was going to be the most overt, which it, it is to a certain extent, but it definitely could be worse. Yeah. I don't want to think of it. Like let's, he... not, let's not play that game. <laughs> okay. Like, I just, I thought I was pleased that the, there was some female characters who were kind of on par with some of the male characters. Like, they're not given as much airtime, but one of Debbie's friends, a lot of well, the Debbie's like young friends, her young cool friend, they're shown as being like just as kind of airheaded and gum chewing and obsessed with dancing and you know like yeah. a bit more yeah I don't know like I felt like 
they had the they had the potential to be a bit rebellious and a bit crazy. They weren't obviously given the choice to. I mean, they weren't given the chance to expand on those attributes because the film obviously focuses on the men. But there is at least some, I don't know, backbone to some of the female characters. Yeah, and I think uh, doing a little bit of reading on this of sort of other people that have revisited, that was sort of the reason that they gave. Apart from the fact that obviously Tom Hanks went on to become Tom Hanks. um, That was sort of the reason they gave that this film still has some sort of cultural impact, whereas a lot of other films of this exact same make have disappeared completely. This Mm. one, you know, hasn't quite. It almost has. Mm, but, um, yeah, not quite. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that was a that was a big bit. Especially, I think Debbie is not is not presented as completely clueless, which is no, a big change up. Definitely not. And I think the relationship between them is like there is genuine joy in their relationship with each other and genuine love between them. That I think I think she did a great job of her character, the actress um, Tawny mm. Kitayan, and obviously Tom Hanks was great. Yeah, like it is possible to love an idiot. I suppose. Yeah. And she she did love she did love an idiot. There's one scene, one nice scene that I, I really liked between them was when she they were in bed together and she couldn't sleep and she just he was like, Oh, what are you thinking about? And she listed off this like huge amount of worries that were on her mind, like, oh, I'm worried about the bridal shower and the wedding and my parents and I'm worried about the bachelor party and da 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 and da 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 and he does like quite a genuine job of listening and not trying to fix things but listening and he does reassure, he does try and reassure about the bachelor party but i suppose he can't really reassure about anything else but that just seemed i don't know that just seemed like a really sweet moment and also something that i feel like i've experienced like you know when your thoughts are going in overdrive you know having an anxious brain is is like that like you have all these crazy thoughts happening all your all the time and i think that kind of overthinking is generally ascribed to women because women bear the brunt of um, the domestic you know the mental load of domestic labor and organizing and you know being a polite person I don't know being a good good woman a good girl and all that stuff um which is by no means means that anxiety doesn't happen in men of course it does but I think especially in the 80s it would have been more normal to see a woman express those fears mm. I suppose I don't know but it that I like that scene with them together yeah and what was um really interesting to see is just you you can visually see how much uh, I guess and oh, maybe I'm projecting it a little bit, but I feel like there's a level of comfort from Hanks in those sort of moments, in those genuine mm. human moments that, you know, he is able to relax and be and, you know, sort of act rather than just, you know, play out stereotypes Zany. in other parts of yeah. the art, parts of the movie. Because I also feel, and it's, it's a very different situation, but I, I think in when... The bachelor party is not going to plan at the beginning where, you know, it looks like it's not going to be the um, night of debauchery that was planned. You can sort of see a relief in him and a willingness Mm. to comfort his friends and just be like, hey, let's Mm, just hang out as buddies. And that Like, he'd seem... Yeah, keep going. Oh, yeah, it it just feels so much more genuine from him than sort of, I guess, moments of meanness later on. Um, Even though he's not normally the pusher in the moments of meanness, he's got his cronies to sort of be dicks. Excuse that behaviour from him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we can like him. Yeah, but I I just think, yeah, as an actor, you can see that he's more comfortable being more human. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I wonder how much of that is us knowing the Hanks like brand yeah, now. Yeah, it would have been interesting to watch it. But you definitely see there is that there is definite relief on his face when because initially, obviously, the sex workers are sent to the wrong party, so no sex workers turn up, and then old mate has to go and get some more from somewhere else. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Anyway, their relationship is is all right sometimes. And then there's then there's like just some gross bits. Like he has this ongoing joke where he tries to chase her with some um, egg beaters hand hand egg beaters. Yeah. Because I guess he wants to use it as a sex toy. That's what I assume. Yeah. I, and she's like, ah, oh, and like laughs and like runs away. Isn't it weird that that's and what they just, choose to end the movie on too? Like they've just got married yeah. and then he pulls out the egg beaters and. She runs away. It was. I think it was disappointing that they ended it like that. Yeah. Um. But she, that's like part of his charm, I suppose. That's why he loves. She loves him because he's like crazy and like a bit of an idiot. Mm. And that's we love that in men. <laughs> but that was also pretty disgusting. I was like, that's not great. No. I don't. Uh, yeah. But maybe if it's an in joke. Yeah. You like it? I yeah. It's just, anyway. Yeah, I just found it particularly weird that that's what they chose to come back to at the end because they left so many other things sort of unanswered, but they're like, yeah. don't worry, here's some closure. They <laughs> s- still love this joke. That's all, <laughs> They folks. still have their moment, yeah. All right, what t- should we tackle next? Um, well, I don't know. Up, up to you. I've got... I probably... I really scraped to try and find some positives and stuff, so um, I... I don't know if you want to talk more about some negatives, then I can come in with some lighter stuff. Oh, uh, look, I don't know if I can... I mean, there's lots of negatives, obviously. I'll try and see if I can talk about... Are, are there any more positives? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe there's not any more positives. Well, actually, a positive. I know you said it It moves slowly, and it does move slowly. I agree. It was, bo- it was boring, but mostly it was boring because the stuff that was happening was not engaging but at mm. least there was stuff happening i felt like compared to the man with one red shoe i was like <laughs> i almost prefer this because at least there's like I, it's not good shit happening on the screen it's bad shit happening on the screen but at least there's something happening on the screen so yeah yeah at, at least there was like i found like there, i felt like there was more things happening than the man with one red shoe yeah i guess there was but i i think that doubles down on how disappointing how boring this film is because yeah it's Filled to the Even brim with, that with moments, but yeah. you're just like, all oh, right, yep, you know, like yep. there's just. <laughs> yep. It's so slow, and it's not even a long running time, is it? It's like eighty something minutes. One hundred and five minutes. Okay, well, it felt it's like four hundred and five. It did. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's just dive into some bad stuff. Yeah. Shall we start? I don't even know where to start. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, we'll start. We'll start going through it all. But I think the thing to realize, folks listening at home, yeah, this f- film is filled with awful stuff. And we'll give, I guess, an overview of why, but um, we probably won't dwell too much on on it. It's pretty obvious why it's awful. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not. Um, you know how sometimes we talk about on this podcast how there's sort of like, uh, I guess, undercover um, misogyny or yes. um, yes, you know, implied racism. This is very much just racism okay. and misogyny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, there's not a whole lot to dissect to to pull apart here. Yeah, it's just very obviously crass and offensive. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, when I did a little bit of reading into how this film came about, it doesn't surprise me. Like, when we, when I said that I didn't think, like, I agreed that I don't think there was that much thought in put into the script, it's because, like, they started advertising the film before they'd written the fucking script. Yeah. So it's directed by a guy called Neil Israel, and it's mm. written by him... Oh, sorry. It's written by him and someone called Pat Prophet. But I didn't... So, Neil Israel, you must know a lot yep. because <laughs> you fucking love the Police Academy. And <laughs> the only reason that he got to make Bachelor Party was because he'd had a massive success with the Police Academy yep. film. First film, I'm guessing, of... How many yes. are there? Seven, which we'll get to eventually Seven, on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Just well, wait till we do that bot set. 
die before then. <laughs> um, yeah, so... And, and the inspiration for the film came from his brother's bachelor party. Yeah. And then they were just like, at the bachelor party, they were like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we made a film about a bachelor party? Oh, there's so much funny stuff happening here. Oh, ha, ha, let's do that. And then they were like, great, let's do it. Yeah. And so then they just like made a poster for it and started advertising and then eventually they wrote the script yeah and you get that sort of essence the essence of the movie is hearing dude bros talk about how drunk they got last weekend totally um yeah man it was so crazy you should have seen it yeah and then this donkey came in yeah yeah (laughs) well might as well just jump straight to the donkey bit because that's the one that i just it's so heavy-handedly put into the film as well there's this yes what (laughs) They f- go and get a donkey with the actual yes. dialogue leading into it is that they're pulling up, you know, no one, no explanation is given to where they've gone or you didn't even know people left the party, but you just see a car yes. pull up and two of the dudes get out and they go, oh yeah, we got to get a donkey. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That you find out they're getting the donkey because they're also hiring a sex worker to sleep with the donkey. Yeah. Like the, I think the other words that come out are... Like I think did they say she she has sex with the donkey? Or yeah, she, that's it. Yeah, she she she's gonna have sex with it. I think that's what they say. Yeah, but yeah, no lead into it at all. And then no, and then we go into this scene where she's an exotic dancer and she's like dancing around the donkey mm. in a sexy way, un, undoing her clothes while everyone around them is like everyone's in a circle and she's in the middle of the circle doing this sexy dance for this donkey. Yeah, and then. And then... The donkey eats all the drugs that are on a table. Yeah, luckily, obviously, we don't see yeah. the act itself. And it, it doesn't even happen in in the film. Because some there's some commotion and then, yeah, the donkey gets into the drugs. And it dies. And it dies. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> anyway. But- so, the only interesting thing I have to say about this... Mm. other than what the fuck, is that... So, apparently, this film has taken a lot of inspiration from Animal House as well. Yeah. Well, um, Animal House sort of kicked off the, the modern American sex comedy. That's right, That was okay. sort of like the, the cornerstone, and that the led to, point. Yeah, to everything else. Right. And I haven't seen Animal House, have you? No. Oh, never in full. It's been on when yeah. I... Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, in Animal House, there's a dead horse in the dean's office, and this was like... So when the horse dies, they take it and put it in the elevator. And then that's like a, a rip-off slash a tribute homage. slash an homage. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. To Animal House. Yeah. So there you go. The reason why this got me the most was just because everything else, as offensive as it is, is sort of almost organically put into the plot. This one was just so forced in there with no sort of lead-in or consequences really, apart from then they dump it in an elevator. And I guess it's so morbid and so... Gratuitous. Yeah. And almost not played for laughs either. It's just sort of... I don't yeah. know. I don't... How is it funny? How, yeah. Like, what... Who thinks that's funny? Th- that's just it. Like, there's no there's no jokes around. It's just sort of a thing that happens and it's gross. And... Like, maybe maybe they were... They were writers and they're like, what would be the craziest thing? Oh, my God, a donkey and then a, a woman has sex with a donkey. Oh, my God, that would be so funny. Well, it just worries me to what the actual inspiration to that part of the story was from. Hopefully, their someone's like, hopefully, just a like a drug fueled delusion. Yeah, but it sticks out like a sore thumb in a movie that is full of sore thumbs. Yes. <laughs> yep. So that's the bestiality. Mm. Tick. Yep. <laughs> Shall we move on to some other what the fuck moments? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other moments that made me just, yeah, really step back. Um, the other big one for me was the moment when his friend who's like, you know, played as like a little bit of a weedy, dweeby yeah. guy, quite skinny. He hooks up with a woman at the party and they have sex or you see them go off to a room together and, you know. And you see him out. afterwards being like, you know. Like, oh, yeah. I'm such a man. Yeah, like he's like you know, look at himself in the mirror, preening in the mirror after going to the toilet. And then the woman he's had sex with comes into the bathroom as well. And it's very obvious to us as the viewers that she's either a trans woman or she is someone in drag. It's not really made clear because the nuances, I think, would be lost on Mm. the filmmakers. (laughs) Anyway, regardless of that, she lifts up her skirt and goes to the toilet standing up and the reaction of this guy is just obviously to lose his absolute shit. Yeah. Um, he doesn't get violent with her. She maintains her dignity throughout. Like, she doesn't seem affected, but he is shown, like, in the shower after she's left scrubbing his genitals and um, just, like... Yeah. Yeah. The reaction of him... Like, you would hope... I mean, I'm sure... I don't know, like... Just if you're comfortable with yourself and you had a good time, you had a good time and you're attracted to that person. Just leave it at that. Yeah. It's um yeah, it it's it sticks out as a, a very low moment in this movie as well, which again is saying a lot because it's all low moments. I mean it Yeah. And it just, you know, it it demonstrates that uh, I guess almost obsession with the sort of heteronormative lads comedies to to ridicule trans characters like you know we saw it again in dude where's my car we see it yeah pop up so often it's just you know it seems like there's some unwritten law that to have a a gross comedy like this you must have that joke yeah and is it because they're so the masculinity is so fragile that the biggest like affront to your masculinity is to be with another man because that's seen as not being masculine at all so if you're you know if if in these bachelor parties, all these kind of things are real male, you know, toxic masculinity fueled events where we just have to show what a man we are and we have to dominate women and dominate other people. And then if in that moment, in in that, it's like that pure expression of, you know, being a man, if you are then with another man in that moment, that somehow undermines your masculinity. So that's the most shameful thing that could happen to you or the most hilarious thing that could happen to your friends as you're trying to be a man by getting laid you inadvertently sleep with someone who's also a man yeah does that make sense yeah it it does i think it it also speaks to i guess male fragility in a way that it says you know as much of this movie does as well that you know oh everyone's out to get the white male you know, and it sort of goes. Mm. Everyone's out to. Everyone's out to get them. And look, you know, he got tricked. You know, mm. um, and I, yeah, I, I think it, especially when it sort of happens to yeah a, a character that's. I mean, less so in this movie, but I guess more so in Dude Where's My Car that they really try and portray as likable. It is sort of mm. yeah really pushing that narrative of sort of. It's not his fault. Yeah, he is the victim. Yeah, or yeah, or just um yeah, or you know yeah, making <laughs> making the least persecuted group in the world of the white man you know you know so it sort of says oh we've got troubles too (laughs) like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah it projects a really bad image and it's yeah disappointing to see that you know these two films that we've looked at were 
two decades apart and they haven't gotten over that fragility. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, or um, evolved at all. Yeah. Because it's, it's the same no. thing, isn't it? It is. It's exactly yeah. the same. I'd forgotten that bit about dude, where's my car? Oh, mm. man. Anyway, what was next? Race in this film handled particularly poorly. Uh, mm-hmm. The only people of colour that you see are sex workers and the pimps. Um, yeah. Or an extremely, like, awkwardly racial stereotype scene with a bunch of Asian businessmen. Oh, my God. Yeah. How did I forget that? Yeah. Fuck. Yes. That was another moment where I was just like, oh, oh why did you have to... This was so bad. Why did you have to this go here, so too? Bad. And this was post-donkey. This was post-donkey. <laughs> yeah. What happens, folks, is that when... So when Debbie and her friends decide to go to... And her mum, actually, mm. they go and try and... They dress up as sex workers to try and, you know, break their way into the bachelor party and spy on what is happening and see what the boys are up to. While they're on their way up, they get kind of escorted into a room with a bunch of Japanese businessmen and because they've ordered sex workers as well and they're like oh no no that's like anyway and then it's like this whole scene that is essentially a rape scene or like a potential rape scene where these a group a group of men are chasing these women around trying to catch them and have sex with them Mm -hmm. so it's like the lead up to a rape scene it's just full-on yeah terrible um, but also, yeah, on the other side of it as well, these male characters are just being completely stereotyped as um, Japanese businessmen. Yeah, pretty gross, and also pretty, yeah, pretty. Well, like it's it's hard to say anything's necessary in this film, but another one that really just sort of seemed <laughs> plonked in there just just to make that racial jab, you know. Well, and also I think it was to to try and serve the women right for dressing up. As yeah. sex workers to try and break into the boys' fun, it was like, oh, you you want to see what where what's happening to us? Well, here's your punishment for trying to see what we're up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what happens when you express your sexuality. You know, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. some bad subtext there. Um, also, was the whole joke while we're on the topic of race? Was the whole joke? I'm using air brackets here. That they were going Quotation for marks. Yeah. with um the second pimp they come across was that he had an accent. And that was the. I think the, the joke was that he was Indian rather than yeah black American. Yeah. And that stereotype of the pimp, I suppose, would be a black American. So yeah, rather the, than like an Indian American. And then he was to... like, "Yeah, we can be cool too, or something like we can be pimps too. We can be gangsters too." Because I guess the Indian stereotype is much more like you know. But uh, the, the jokes there, then they're saying that this character is the wrong type of black. So it's well, yes, exactly. That's yeah. right. Yes, yeah. It's um sort of a racism within a double, racism. A double that, whammy. Yeah. yeah. That again is just mind-bogglingly um thought out. You know, it's or ill yeah. thought out. Yeah, ill thought, thought out. out at all. Well, yeah. But I think the gross bit is that it, it yeah it clearly is like they've planned. really they planned to go for that joke. That's that's what they're going for. It's not, um, yeah, it's not, it's not the, I guess, the racism we're used to in media of sort of silencing or um, uh, mm-hmm. not representing. It is, um, it is actually, it's, so you know, it's an attack on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This film is just so indicative of male white supremacy mm. in just a huge way. Like it's just, you can see that the people who wrote these just have that. They have glasses on, these glasses on that are just like, we're, this is the top of the rung of the ladder, we're, we're the top of the rung, so we get to decide 
Like, yeah. this is just how we see the world and the it's, world revolves around it's us an American, and we get what we want. Yeah, an American tradition. So, we are off the hook for anything that we do tonight. But anyone else yeah. who tries to join our fun or, I guess, provide consequences <laughs> is punished. We'll make fun of them. Yeah. 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 And even, even the guy who the guy who is kind of, in quotation marks, again, ridiculed by sleeping with someone with male genitalia in that very transphobic scene, that, I feel, is... His punishment maybe for not being masculine enough because he's like yeah. weedy and little, and you don't see any of the more masculine in quotation marks guys, the more traditionally masculine guys. That doesn't happen to any of them. No. Yeah. And the other weird thing about this film, I mean, weird from my perspective, but I guess not that weird. But it's just, it's just so clear that that the the writers think that. And they have, in some cases, they have given some women, like we talked about at the start, some more kind of character and, you know, a bit more of a backbone in some cases. But then there's just so many women in this film who are just absolute objects. And in their eyes, in the in the eyes of the writers and in the eyes of the character, the male characters, these women want to be there. And it's just like, who are these random women that just want to go and have like massive, or maybe, maybe they are people like this, but in this particular moment, it's all to serve these men. And it's all because of these men that yeah. these, like these women are all there. So it's not, I mean, in the case of the, the women that are being paid, definitely they're there as a job, but then there's just all these other randoms that turn up. Yeah. And, in- and they, they try and make it, I mean, in, in the man, oh, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, sorry, that, in the eyes of the people writing it, it's not a bad... They're not being sexist. They're not being bad because the women want to be there. Mm-hmm. But that's from their perspective. Yeah. And uh, including in that is um, Rick's high school sweetheart turns up. Oh, yeah. And it's sort of like it's the big... His big moral decision in the movie to, to sleep with her or to not sleep with her. Yes. Um, and I, both times I've watched this movie, that's one of the things that's really caught me because I've just gone... Okay, so she clearly wasn't interested in him in high school. Why Why did she agree to turn up completely naked and sleep and with him? And literally the only words uttered from her mouth are, what, like, um, Take have me. sex with oh, me. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, or, like, make love to me, please. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, totally. Yes, what's her is, backstory? Is... Why is she like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Gets the phone call. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, he was a dweeb in high school. I never wanted to sleep with him. But it's his bachelor Why party. Why not sure. now? <laughs> it's the American tradition. <laughs> yeah. I must sleep with this man. And then, again, she is <laughs> yeah. a complete object to them because then she is used to try and seduce Cole so that they can... Fling um, him out of the window they've realized, naked. Yeah, they've realised that he's, you know, trying to shoot shoot them through the other window. So, yeah, she's, again, used as, like, a decoy and literally an object shoved towards him to be like, hey, go have sex with him. We promise we'll come in at the last minute and stop you from having sex, like, stop you having to go through with it. And she's just like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Yeah. It's, um, it's what wild. What world are these people living in? I know. What but planet it's... is this? So... That's that. Yeah, I think that's pretty... That's all I can remember anyway. I'm sure there'll be other things that we've missed, but like you said, a lot of it is already fading from my brain because mm. um, it's not really worth holding in there. Um, yeah, the sex comedy. Tell me about it. Well, look, it's been, it's been a thing since um, sort of post-Shakespearean times. There was sort of an introduction of plays that had female cast members in it and often sort of had very liberal themes talking about sex or, I guess, adultery. Apparently, 
the original sex comedies because, you know, it was improper to talk about it. The language that was used in scripts to get away with it was the two are found in a state of disorder, <laughs> um, which I thought was just great. You know, everyone knows what that means, yeah. a state of disorder. Yeah. So it was sort of a, yeah, a tradition just to have, you know, yeah, the com- comedies of sex, comedies of attraction. This sort of splintered when film got involved. In, in the UK, you sort of got into the carry-on films, the, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, a bit more innuendo. Oh, what was that? Like? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, you know, the and that was sort of the sex comedy that, you know, still, I think, is a large part of British humour to its detriment sometimes. It's the whoop, whoopsie-daisy. Mm-hmm. Um, think Mrs. Brown's boys, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know. It's still around today. In America, the sex comedy very much sort of became what could be seen now as, I guess, predatory kind of behaviour yeah. um, of the um, virtuous girl, um, the virgin, that the man's going to get and, you know, going to have his way with. But it always ended up with that he'd fall, he'd actually fall for the girl mm-hmm. and then end up happy happily together. And, you know, there was a whole sort of genre of movies. Then we come to the 80s and, you know, excess, everything, and you get Animal House and you get a whole run of movies that is sort of that basic principle of sort of a virtuous girl, mm-hmm. and, but everything's taken to the extreme. The sex is taken to the extreme. Yeah. The humour is taken to the extreme, or the I guess the shock of the humour. Yeah. The whole point of the sex comedy, like any other genre, is to shock, like your horror, like science fiction. The fun is in the shock of it. Right. And that's what the sex comedies of the 80s did. The big thing with the sex comedy too, like any other genre, the whole idea was that it could present these jokes... It would be very much for the time, focusing on getting a shock at that moment because home media wasn't around. So no one ever thought that, especially for something of the range of a bachelor party, for example, Mm. no one ever planned for that to be seen again. Mm. You just kind of thought, I'm going to shock people in the cinemas. Everyone's going to go to see it. And I spoke about this last episode. I think by the time you're getting to the mid 80s, there was sort of an arrogance around that. Yeah, a laziness. Um, Yeah, of, okay, cool. What can we do to shock people? What will get people in the cinemas? Let's do that. And let's not and think so much about storyline or subtlety or... Yeah. yeah. To the extent that you sort of get those movies that are one joke and it's the one joke that's used in the trailer too yeah. because it's sort of like, cool, we'll get them in for that, they'll pay their money, and we move on. And it, I guess the line between it and exploitation cinema becomes mm. very blurred. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, I guess, what the sex comedy became. And then now that we've sort of got that opportunity to reflect and understand it more because it doesn't go away because home media exists, I think it actually gave birth to sex comedies growing and becoming something a lot smarter. Yeah. So you get movies like Bridesmaids. Yeah. You get movies like... I was um, just thinking about Bridesmaids because we watched it recently and I really enjoyed it. It's the second time I've watched it. The first time I think I enjoyed it fine but this time I just I don't know it just really connected with me for some reason um not because I've had diarrhea recently um (laughs) but but would you class that as a sex comedy well no well yes and no because I think it's very different I think the genres the genres diverged so much now and I think Judd Apatow had a lot to do with that sort of he very much embraced the sex comedy with Knocked Up and 40-Year-Old Virgin yes. is super bad. Yeah. And then also mutated it at the same time that you've sort of got this now gross-out comedy, which sort of, I think, deleted a lot of the bad bits about the sex comedy, which was sort of that purity and, um, yeah, such a, such a huge focus on virgin- virginity and how much of a big deal that is. Yeah. And has made, yeah, a, a, a different genre or has transformed it 
to something better for the future. Well, hopefully better. Yeah. I also feel like there'll be DVD clutter 2040 that we'll be talking about, you know, <laughs> how bad things were. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Or how different I don't, things I'm were just then. Checking. I don't think Judd Apatow was involved in Bridesmaids. No, but like, but you know, I know, it was that, sort of yeah, his team. That's right. Paul Feig and... Oh, sorry. It was um, produced by him. Sorry, whole, he was, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yes. That whole team of players. Um, But I guess, yeah. And that whole idea of purity is a really big part of the, especially the 1980s sex comedy and is definitely on display here. You know, the whole thing is about... Will he or won't he have sex? Mm-hmm. Um, but at least she's not shown as being virginal. No, no. Not that um, there's anything wrong with that, but then it's not about conquering her virginity so much. And maybe but, it's, is yeah. it transferring more into like the buddy film kind of... Not buddy film, like... Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm interested to see how, like, how these kind of films do progress in the future and how issues that we see in this film would be approached differently these days. Well, I think it's also because society's, um, I guess, reaction to sex is changing. Well, exactly. Because you could have, you well. could have quite a sex positive film that, you know, does yeah. all of maybe not the bestiality so much, but does like, <laughs> you know, maybe someone does have sex with someone without realizing at first that they had male genitalia. And then maybe that's great. And it's a great experience. Like imagine that, how, what a different film that would be. If then it's like, yeah. oh, I didn't realize that I could be attracted to someone with this body before, but now I am, and that's fine, and that's great, and that's cool. Um, yeah, and I think that's, you know, you, you feel that's coming is even a trend sort of within, like, the teen sort of sex comedy films, like, like something like Blockers, where it's more about having a conversation rather than about the shock anymore yeah. of sex. Yeah. I guess sex isn't as shocking. It's more just it's something that people do, yeah. and you know there can there's still you can still have fun with it. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. You can still make jokes about it, but yeah. it's no longer just. A, I mean, sex is what pretty if someone funny. had sex with a donkey? Exactly. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> maybe just get to some of the more truthfully awkward and funny things about sex, which about of, sex. of which there yeah. are you know a multitude. Yeah. And yeah, just do that with a bit more smarts and nuance rather than this. As that commentator said about the Donald Trump Joe Biden debate, than this shit show. Yes, yes. I bet you, um, Trump loves bachelor party. I bet he does. He's well now that he's isolating with COVID. Holy fuck! Yeah. He's gonna have to just watch films all all week. So um, he'll probably yeah. have it on repeat. Yeah, the president would be able to get a copy of this. Oh, surely. Anyway, I don't have anything more to say about this film. Um, I did want to briefly mention the soundtrack. This. Oh, yeah, sure. Was this film, though the soundtrack's not particularly amazing, um, it was really important because it was... Songs for the film were written by Oingo Boingo, the band, um, which was Danny Elfman's band, and this was, oh. his first oppo- this was his first opportunity to work directly for a film, and yeah. it was this opportunity that sort of opened him, opened him up to scoring. Um, oh, wow. And, yeah, and, you know, this was his foot in the door. So, yeah. It does have a legacy, I guess, to an extent that it... Um, yeah, if it spawned something. Yeah, spawned... At least that's uh, come out of yeah. it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of, I think... Well, one of my favourite composers in Definitely. cinema. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's... I think always think that's sort of very interesting looking at what this movie was, you know, and um, yeah. what it did. But the Oingo Boingo song over the credits, Cold Bachelor Party, is a lot of fun. So, yeah, if you want to have anything to do with this movie, maybe just listen to that song on YouTube. Mm. Yeah. I tried to look up to see if I could find Tom Hanks, like adult Tom Hanks, reflect on this film. And I couldn't find much. Um, mm-hmm. But I found one interview in which they were talking about, you know, what is 
the Tom Hanks that was in The Bachelor Party thinking what was he like versus the Tom Hanks now. And he just said that the Tom Hanks who was doing Bachelor Party was just still in that stage in his career where he was just like, what the fuck is happening? I can't believe I get to yeah. do this. Like he was just so amazed that he got to be making films. He was so lucky that he could, that he had been given this opportunity again after he'd made a few films by that point. And I think Splash had made him kind of into a big name just before the release of Bachelor Party, um, which obviously they traded off. And I think they were lucky to get him then. But Mm. yeah, he said, he said he was, that's the only thing I could find kind of find of him reflecting on Bachelor Party, just that he was very much in that stage of feeling like he had to say yes to anything he was offered because he was new still, you know, and still just feeling like he was lucky to be there. So if you say no, people might stop offer- stop offering you. And then later on, he got to obviously the point in his career where he could turn down things. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I think um, his interviews on the DVD, he's the sort of one person that doesn't talk about the American tradition of the Bachelor Party. He sort of goes, he talks a bit about um, Rick, the character, and he's sort of like, uh, I guess playing Rick, I just sort of had to be 14-year-old me. Um, oh, really? <laughs> That's sort of what it was, except 14-year-old me wasn't getting any, which he said, which is good for Rick. And then he spoke, he's like, this was a good opportunity of, you know, TV's been good, but you do kind of, it is, you know, a bit of a grind. You know, you go in, you see the same people, um, movies, I think. So he talked about, yeah, again, uh, transition. Yeah, Um, yeah. rather than like, this is a real, I'm so passionate about this artistic endeavour. Yeah. Yeah, but again, that's seeing it through the lens of now. Well, the um, director did say in the interview that I watched, the director's like, you know, we were lucky to get him. I think he's really going to be somebody. I was like, <laughs> you were right. <laughs> you were right. Um, um, yeah. There's a sequel to it too. Yes, I saw that. Straight to DVD. Straight to DVD. Um, a sequel only in name is yes. what I read. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have not seen it, nor... Could I be bothered reading the Wikipedia page? No. They also planned in 2014 to do a TV show, but obviously that never got off the ground. It's an interesting one to do a TV show about, but sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Maybe it's just Cole successively offering him more things to buy. Debbie. Yeah, that's it. What about a house? Next episode. What about a country? Yeah. So, um, Paul, we come to this pointy end. So far, we've only got one four, and we've got... Three against. Three to op shop. Three, yeah. Well, yeah. Not to throw out. Oh, this one could this one could make it go yeah. into the trash. Yeah, I think this one. I think, you know, we talked about the impact of um, home media on films like this not being able to disappear like they might want to. Mm. So I think we should help it in its journey to disappearing. <laughs> and um, this disc itself, I would be happy for you to dispose of in any way you wish, Beck. Oh, why do um, I have to deal with it? <laughs> but but then is that gonna oh no because it's but is that like is that gonna lower the value of your of your box well, I set? Think the rest of them I'm gonna are gonna go to the op shop and but you can know what you give I think the op shop one with I think you can I still think you're getting four DVDs in there that's true um, that's true three of which you know I'd watch again yeah I'm like which three <laughs> <laughs> I'd um, watch one again I'd watch that thing you do road to perdition oh crap what's the other one that's not big big yeah oh yeah I'd watch big again I wouldn't actively turn off the channel if it was on I'd watch that thing you do again and I think I'd maybe road to perdition if it was on tv maybe big if it was on tv but probably like if there was something else on I'd definitely watch that like mm. anything else <laughs> um yeah so I think we're getting four out of five going to the op shop if yeah. only 
If only I hadn't already given away Forrest Gump to the op shop. I could have just put oh, that in you could have with added, this one. That would have been such yeah. a better such a better deal. Every time I tell people we're doing a box set of Tom Hanks, they're like, oh, you're doing like Castaway? Oh, you're doing... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're doing all the obscure crap ones. Yeah. Anyway, well, um, that's it for T. Hanks. Yeah. Any questions? I don't get it. It's a David S. Pumpkins reference. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to watch that again once I've finished. So thanks for listening, everybody. Next week, we will be back with a non-Tom Hanks related film. Oh my non-hanks. Goodness. Non-hanks. Will we survive? I'm not sure. And when I say next week, I mean next fortnight. Yeah. Awkward. Well but into until October then, then. We're, oh my God, the spooky season. Mm. Um, until then, stay safe. Hopefully Melbourne will be a little less restricted. Yeah. Fingers crossed. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye.